Once upon a time, there was this really successful businessman whose favorite hobby was to travel the world and to walk its best beaches. And one time, he was in the Caribbean, just this little island, and he was walking along, and he saw this guy fishing off of a pier with a pole in his hand, and he thought, you know what? I'm feeling generous today. I'm going to give this guy some life-changing wisdom. And so he walked up to this fishing man. He, he saw he had two fish there, and he said, you got some good-looking fish. What you ought to do is keep one of them and sell the other in the marketplace. And the man with the fishing pole, he said, well, why would I want to do that? And the businessman said, well, so you could make a profit, of course. And, and if you do that enough times, you save your money. You could buy a fishing boat, and, and you could head off into deeper waters, get bigger fish. And the man with the pole, he said, well, why would I want to do that? And the businessman said, well, if you get bigger fish, you can make more profit at the marketplace. You save that up. You could buy another boat, hire somebody to fish it for you. And now you've got yourself a little business going. And the guy said, why do I want to do that? And he said, so you could get more fishing boats to get in more money. And eventually you could just stop fishing all the time and you could be like me. Do what you love. Having leisure in life. And the man with the fishing pole in his hands looked left and he looked right. And he looked at the guy and said, whoop. What do you think I'm doing right now, man? Like, he loved fishing. That was his joy. That's where his leisure was. And I like that story. I've used it a couple different times, different contexts, because it has a valuable lesson for us. There are two different perspectives on life illustrated here. There's a perspective of the man who fishes, and he sees simplicity as the key to contentment. He doesn't need a lot. He doesn't need a fishing boat. He doesn't need a business. He's fishing. He loves it. He's content. The other perspective is the one of the businessman, and he needs more in order to be content. More money, more people, more complexity, more moving parts, bigger, bigger, bigger. That's the, content, the, the key to contentment for him. And a lot of times, that's the, the kind of mindset that our culture pushes on us. We say, you know, if you really want to be content in life, you need more. But what our culture rarely tells us is that more, so many times, actually means less. Let me illustrate what I mean here. We're going to do just a little survey, play a little game, okay? How many of you feel like you're stretched way too thin in your time? Because you've got so much stuff going on, you know? Like, you've you got to be at work, and you're putting in the hours there because you want to be a certain kind of employee. And then you're at home, and, and you're trying to be mom or dad of the year, so you're putting in time with your kids, and you want to be a great husband or great wife, and so you're, you're putting your time in with your spouse, and you're, you know, you're trying to, to do this and trying to do that and trying to keep up with a house and trying to get your kids to soccer practice and cross-country practice and all this other stuff. And somewhere in there, you still are trying to find time just to, like, breathe. How many of you feel like you're stretched a little too thin? Give me a wave. Okay, some of us, yeah. So we feel like maybe we, we got too much going on. What we've done is we've sought after more. More stuff, more things to do. Be more, do more, accomplish more. But in the process of seeking more, what we've wound up with is less. Less leisure, less room to breathe, less time to just stop and appreciate all of the things happening around us in this busy life. Sometimes when we seek out more, we find less. Well, let's talk about money. Bills. Some I mean, of you got too many bills. You got your, your cable bill, your internet bill, your phone bill. You got your mortgage. You're trying to pay off the credit card bill. You racked up buying Christmas presents. You're trying to save for vacation. You're trying to save up for maybe a new car because yours is on its last leg. Maybe you got a car repair that you got to get taken care of. Maybe you got a student loan you're trying to pay, and you're trying to do all of this stuff. And how many of you feel like by the time your paycheck hits your fingers, it just bursts into flames almost instantly? Give me a little wave. Some of us, okay. We're trying to stretch ourselves too thin. 
We're seeking after more, more stuff, more fun, more experiences, but in the process, we wound up with less, less peace of mind, less security, less freedom. Our culture doesn't tell us that in our pursuit of more, a lot of times we wind up with less. And that's where this concept of margin comes into play. Margin is this idea of, of that which is available beyond what is necessary. So let's take, for instance, time. Okay, I've got 30 minutes. It takes me 20 minutes to get to my destination. I've got 10 minutes of margin or money. I've got $100. I've got $80 worth of bills. I've got $20 of margin. You see, margin is a good thing, but in our culture of more and more and more, oftentimes we're encouraged to fill our margin with more. And so it looks like this. 30 minutes is what I got. 20 minutes is what I need to get there. I got 10 minutes of margin. That means I got 10 minutes to do something else, to fill that 10 minutes with another project, with another errand, with another thing. We fill it with more. But what happens if, like, you get a flat tire or there's an accident in the road and you get caught up in traffic or you take a wrong turn somewhere? We've filled our time to its maximum capacity. We have no margin left, and now all of a sudden we need time that doesn't exist. Boom, instant stress. In our pursuit of more, what we found is less peace of mind, less room to breathe. Financially, we got $100, $80 worth of bills. Our culture would say we have $20 to spend on something else, to buy something else, to do something else. And we stretch our finances to maximum capacity. But what happens if, like, you have to go to the doctor unexpectedly or your kid ruins their shoes and you got to buy new ones or, or you find somebody that genuinely needs some help and your heart goes out to them but you can't help them because you spent all your money. In our pursuit of more, we wound up with less less freedom, less security, less peace of mind. We've erased our margin by seeking more. Margin is such a beautiful concept. It's unfortunate that our culture doesn't really encourage us to pursue it or develop it. And that's what this series that we're beginning today is all about. It's called Margin. We're making room in our lives for breakthrough. I'm excited about this series. I think it's going to be pretty practical, and I really think we're going to get a lot out of it together. I know there's certain individuals, got a couple of people in mind specifically, that are really going to benefit from some of these messages. So today, we're going to kick things off just by talking about our need for margin, this concept in our lives. And to do that, we're going to be looking at a story from the New Testament. It's in the book of Luke, chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to pop those open to Luke, chapter 10. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow along on the screens to the sides. We always put our passages up there. But my personal recommendation would be to download the FCC Monmouth mobile app on your phone or your tablet. Click the Sunday button on your navigation bar, and it's got your sermon notes, all the passages already pulled up for you. It's got ways to connect with us after the sermon throughout the week and a, and a list of events of all the stuff going on here. Great, great tool to have. So, margin. Let's read Luke chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 38. It goes like this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it's not to be taken away from her. So we see in this story a couple of insights about margin and our need for margin in our lives. 
And the first one is this. It's a pretty profound thing, but it's pretty something we really should have realized on our own. As our margin decreases, our stress increases. As our margin decreases, our stress increases. Look back at that story. We're going to look at verse 39 particularly, and look at how this dynamic works out. Verse 39, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Here are two important words we're going to revisit in a minute. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So we're introduced to these two sisters. The younger is named Mary. And Mary, she's sitting in the living room where Jesus is. Jesus is, is teaching eternal truths, giving this wisdom, and she's just soaking it up. But Martha is our introduction to this other sister. And but is not just a simple conjunction. It's actually a contrast. There's a comparison being made between these two sisters. Mary is seen in a positive light, whereas Martha, for some reason, she's seen in a disfavorable light in the eyes of the narrator. So we have to ask, why? What is she doing that's garnered this disfavorable uh, evaluation of her behavior? And we read it as we keep going. She says, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be done. She's running around trying to do all of this stuff. She's incredibly busy. She's making the lunch. She's setting the table. She's taking the trash out. She's wiping down the counter. She's vacuuming the floor. She's doing all this stuff while Mary is over here just sitting, listening to Jesus. And as she has more and more to do, and as her time decreases, her margin decreases and decreases, her stress starts going up and up until eventually she pops. She comes into the living room. She says, Jesus, don't you see me walking around doing all this stuff? I'm trying to make lunch for you and your disciples. I'm setting the table. I'm cooking the meal. Here's my sister not doing anything. Are you really going to make me do all this? Jesus, why don't you make her get up and do something? Ah! That's the, the condensed version there. It's stress. As her margin decreases, as her life gets more and more full, her stress goes up and up and up until she dumps on the creator of the universe. Not something that you really want to write about. It's kind of embarrassing. Listen to what Jesus has to say in this moment, though. He says in verse 41, Martha, Martha. That's kind of how I imagine Jesus. Like, whoa, girl, slow down a little bit. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, actually, just, just one. Martha's trying to do all of this stuff, more than what's needed, okay? So here's, here's what's needed. Here's what Martha has available to her, her margin, right? What's available beyond what's necessary. Here's what Martha's trying to do, right? She's trying to pack her life way too full. She's trying to do too much stuff. And as her margin decreases, her stress shoots through the roof and increases. But we can't really be too judgmental or upset with Martha because you and I, we have had a Martha moment or two in our lives, haven't we? Those times where we try to do too much, pack our lives so full that we just get stressed out and we dump on somebody. You know, for me, I think at one time uh, during my youth ministry career, I took my youth group to this retreat that we planned in Branson. And we rented out this big house on Table Rock Lake, and we went there, and it was a great time. And one evening, we had tickets to go see some Chinese acrobats at a theater. And so I vastly overestimated these high school students and their ability to get ready on time. And so I didn't leave enough margin. I said, hey, guys, get ready, jump in the van, we're going to go to the show. So we were a little late setting out, but we still, we had some time. 
This next part's on me. I didn't actually look up where the theater was. I, I knew the general area, I thought, and so I thought, we'll just look it up on the phone as we go. Turns out I was dead wrong. I thought the theater was in the middle of the city. He was actually on the other side of the city. So now our margin is razor thin. And so I'm starting to drive a little faster and a little faster. And if you've ever been to Branson before, you know there are like some hills and some twists and turns. And we're in this big E350 cargo van. So I'm throwing these youth group kids all over this van. Like they're going left, right, up, down. One of them's getting car sick, so he has to lay down. And I'm just getting stressed out. My margin is decreased. My stress is increasing. And I'm thinking, what if we don't get to the theater on time? What if we spend all this money on these tickets and we miss the first half of the show because we're late? What if Ryan pukes all over the upholstery? I don't want to clean that up. Like all this stuff is going around in my head and I'm getting stressed and the kids are noticing it because kids notice these things. And so they're like, hey, are we going to make it on time? What's wrong? Why is that vein in your forehead? Are you okay? And all of a sudden I was like, everybody just sit down. We are going to have a great time. Okay, so shut up because this is going to be amazing. Youth Minister of the Year, folks. Not my finest moment, but it just goes to show you, as your margin decreases, your stress increases. We've all been there before. Martha is living this moment for us to look at and identify with. Can you imagine, just for a moment, what our lives would be like if we left some margin? In our schedules, for instance, in our families. Can you imagine what your family dynamic would be like if instead of the next time your kids forget their backpack or lose their cleats or whatever and your razor-thin margin is already disappearing and you're running late, you're getting stressed out, so you just explode on your kids. Can you imagine if instead next time you had the freedom to just take a breath and say, you know what, let me help you find that stuff. What would your family dynamic be like? Would you not enjoy being around each other a little bit more if the stress wasn't so high all the time? That's the power of margin. If we just leave some room to breathe. Or financially, you know, what if next time the car breaks down or the lawnmower dies or your brother or sister calls and they're in a pinch and they need some help? What if next time, instead of like stressing about it and worrying about it and losing sleep over it, what if you could just write a check and smile? What would that do in your life? Would that not make things a little more enjoyable, a little more joyful? You see, there's this principle that we're seeing here that as our margin decreases, our stress increases. The opposite is true as well. As your margin increases, your stress decreases. You've got room to breathe. This is a powerful, powerful concept in our lives if we have the discipline to cultivate it. There's a reason that God kind of illustrates this principle of in Scripture. It's wise. There's another observation we can make in this story, though, about margin, and this one's just as profound. As our margin decreases, our relational intimacy decreases as well. There's a direct correlation to the amount of margin that we leave and the intimacy that we experience in our relationships, and we see that dynamic play out between these sisters and Jesus. Look at verse 41 again. It says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Here's the new part that we're going to focus on. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So what is it about Mary and what she's doing that is so favorable, that's so good, that Jesus says, Martha, I know you're busy, you're doing a lot of stuff, but Mary's doing the better thing. What is she doing? She's sitting, and she's enjoying the presence and the teachings of Jesus. 
And we need to understand the relationship between this family and Jesus for a minute, because he is, he is Jesus, okay, but he is also Jesus. There is a friendship here between Jesus and this family, Mary, Martha, their brother Lazarus, who we don't see in this story. He's in another story. This isn't the first or only time that Jesus comes to their house either. There is a relationship here, genuine friendship between these people. Mary is getting to enjoy that. Martha, however, is so busy and her life is so full that she is missing out on this friendship with Jesus. And a lot of times we can do the same things in our own lives. We can pack our lives so full or we can stretch ourselves so thin that the intimacy in our relationships, whether it be with friends, family, spouse, kids, whatever, it actually is diminished because our lives are so full and stretched so thin. And this is a concept that like, if you're like me and you're a task-oriented person, this ought to hit you right between the eyes. I know one of my favorite feelings in the world is scratching off that last item on your to-do list. I love that. And in fact, I love it so much, and I love doing things, getting things done. I have this tendency to pack my day as full of as many different tasks as I can. Because to me, that's efficient. The downside is, though, because my day is so full and I do that to myself, if there's an opportunity that I didn't plan for to connect with people, I have to make a choice. Either don't get everything done or don't connect with this person. And the reality is that a lot of times our relationships with people are not the kinds of things we can plan. You know, if your family or friend is coming through town and they call you up and they say, hey, I'm going to be in town this afternoon. Do you want to grab some lunch? Do you want to grab a cup of coffee? That's not usually the kind of thing that we've planned. You know, something's got to give there. Either I'm going to connect with this person or I'm going to have to, you know, drop something off my list. If, uh, you know, your spouse surprises you one night and say, hey, let's go out on a date tonight. That's not the kind of thing you've planned on necessarily. You have to have the margin to be able to say yes to that. Or if Saturday, Saturday's a busy day for a lot of us. It's the day where we get things done, you know. This, we're going to get the yard mode. We're going to fix up whatever it is on the car that needs fixed or the house or whatever. What if you packed your day full, but your kid, all they want to do this Saturday is play with you or hang out with you? We have to have the margin to make room for that relationship to grow and to flourish. And if we pack our lives so full, if we stretch ourselves so thin, if we don't leave that room what we're going to find is that our relationships will start to dwindle and decay. Our relational intimacy will decline. That's true of all our human relationships. But it's also true of our divine relationship. You know, like we said, Jesus to this family, he is Jesus. But he is still Jesus, right? He is the Son of God. And Martha is missing out on that relationship because she's just so busy. Mary, she's sitting and she's soaking it up because she's made time. Martha, she's trying to do too much, more than is necessary, remember. And sometimes we can fall into that same trap. You know, if I were to say, you know what, I, I want to get fit, I want to get healthy, we all know what that would take, right? That would take making time to be in the gym. It's not rocket science. We all know that. If I were to say, I, I want to improve my relationship with my kids, if I want to, you know, be a, a good spouse and have a strong, vibrant marriage, we all know what that would mean for us. That would mean making the time to invest in those relationships. We all get this. It's, it's almost instinct. We don't even have to think about it. But what's funny is that when it comes to our relationship with God, sometimes like we go brain dead or like we, we just, everything goes out the window and we think we can pull it off with way, way less. And sometimes people come to me and they ask this question like, you know, I don't, I just feel like God is distant or I feel distant from God or 
you know, it doesn't feel like it used to, or, you know, I just, my life isn't any different now than it was when I came to Christ. Like, I don't understand what's happening. And some of the first questions I ask people are, are you making regular time to worship as the church? Yeah, you know, I go once a month. Okay, not a great start. What about the Bible? Are, are you reading what God has spoken to you and to his people? Yeah, you know, I'm not much of a reader. Okay, again, there's really only one way to change that. But what about prayer? Are you making time regularly to talk to and converse with God? Yeah, I ask him for stuff all the time. I ask him to help me with this, help me with that, give me this, give me that. Okay, that's kind of a one-sided relationship and conversation. And if this is, is kind of what your spirituality amounts to, I want you to understand, I'm really, really not trying to be judgmental, okay? But I don't want you to leave here today with a misunderstanding of the reality of the situation either. If that sounds true in the scenario I just described, basically this is what we're doing. We're giving God an hour a month, and we're ignoring everything that he's spoken to us. And when we do talk to him, it's a very one-sided, gimme-gimme kind of relationship. Now, in any other context... That wouldn't work, and we know it. If I want to get fit and be strong, I'm going to have to spend more than an hour a month in the gym. If I want a strong relationship with my kids, ignoring what they say is not the way to do it. And if I want a vibrant marriage, having one-sided, gimme-gimme conversations is not going to cut it. We all know this. But for some reason, when it comes to our relationship with God, we think we can pull it off. And the number one reason I hear again and again for why we're, we're not partaking in this relationship is, I'm, I'm just so busy. I don't have the time. There's so much going on. I don't have time to read my Bible every day. I don't have time to set aside, you know, 15, 20 minutes to pray. My family is so busy, you know, in the summertime and on the weekend doing this and that. that we, we can't make it to church all the time. And that last one in particular, just oh, it hurts my heart so much because if that's you, you're missing, you're missing out on what is needed. You're trying to do many things, but there's few things that are needed, indeed only one. And actually studies have shown again and again, generation after generation, decade after decade, what that one thing is if we really want to pass on a vibrant faith to the next generation and we want our kids to be part of that 30% that actually still believes after they get out of college. And it's not a killer youth group experience. And it's not weekend sports or weekend family getaways. The number one thing that the research has shown again and again and again to form a faith that lasts in our children is to simply be here every week to demonstrate and to show that this matters enough and this is important enough to our family that we will be here to worship the Lord. That's the one thing that makes the biggest difference in the lives of children. And sometimes we tell ourselves that we're so busy and our lives are so full that we just don't have time for it. And I gotta, I gotta stop and say, wait a minute, let's look at our priorities for a minute. Have we maybe run out of margin? Have we maybe stretched ourselves too thin if, if we can't make time to encounter God in worship? I'm gonna get off my soapbox now, okay? We're gonna get back on the sermon. The point is we have this tendency to fill our lives so full. And in doing that, we don't make room for God to enter into and live and dwell and work in our lives. If we want that relationship to grow and develop and thrive, it's no different than any other relationship. We have to make the time. As our margin decreases, our relational intimacy decreases as well. 
That's true of our relationship with each other. True of our relationship with our creator. What our culture really, really needs today is a come-to-Jesus meeting. And if you don't know what that is, that is basically, it's a really frank, potentially unpleasant conversation where we talk about an issue and we're going to resolve this issue. A come-to-Jesus meeting. Let me give you an illustration. When I managed the Domino's, I had this delivery driver. I didn't know who it was, but they kept bringing adult magazines into the driver's station and, like, hiding them. And, like, it's gross. I was like, dude, we make food here. Why would you do that? And at first, I even questioned myself, and I went to my manager. Who's, he's a confirmed atheist. And I was like, is it just me because I'm a faith person that this is weird? He goes, no, this is gross. we got to figure this out. So we sat all our drivers down, and we had a come-to-Jesus meeting. It was real frank, and it was not pleasant. It went like this. Here's the problem. If this doesn't stop today, all of your cars get searched before you ever begin a shift, no exceptions. I had some CD drivers that did not want me to search their car. So that was the last of the problem right there. We had the meeting. It wasn't pleasant, but we had a resolution. That's kind of what our culture needs today. We need this moment where we sit down and look at ourselves in the mirror or maybe even just look at Christ in the mirror and say, Jesus, I'm sorry, because here's the reality. I have stretched myself too thin. I have filled my life too full. I have stretched my finances too thin. I have filled my budget too full. I have stretched my morality and my moral margin too full, and I walk too close to the line. I am trying to do too much, so much, in fact, I have not made room for you. And if we have the willingness to sit down and to make this confession and start this conversation, listen to how this Jesus meeting can go. This is from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says, come to me. Just pause there. He, he wants to have this meeting, all right? He is inviting us to have this meeting. Come to me, he says. Literally, I want, you, I want to have a come to Jesus meeting with you. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Does that sound familiar? And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. How good does that sound? I mean, really, to, to a people that are stretched so thin with so many things in so many different directions, that are burdened by so many different necessities and requirements in this life, how good does it sound to hear Jesus say, if you just come to me, if you make room for me, quit hitching your wagon to so many different things. If you just hitch your life to me, I will give you weary people lasting rest for your soul. That's the potential and the invitation of this come to Jesus meeting. He's a lot nicer than I am. He's not going to search your car or anything. And so he just gives the invitation, just come and make room for me and I will dwell and refresh you. This is the power of margin in our lives. And this is why I'm so excited about this series. It's a really practical series that I think is going to do a lot of good in our lives. Next week, just to give you a preview of what's coming, we're talking about our time, scheduling margin, making room for God to live and dwell in our lives, in our schedules. Week after that, we're talking about financial margin, making room in our budget, for God to live and dwell and impact our lives. The week after that, we're going to wrap things up by talking about moral margin. And I'm excited about this one. 
because it's this idea that we don't have to live our lives walking this line between holy and unholy, good and bad, sin and righteousness. Sometimes it's just a good idea just to play it safe and to give ourselves some moral margin. We all fall at times. And where we fall is the difference between like if we fall to the ground or we fall off a cliff. Depends on how much room we put between us and the line. So that's where the series is going. And I think it's going to be well worth our time on Sunday morning. But I want to tell you the truth, that 25 minutes a week of passive listening is enough to survive. You're not really going to thrive on that, though. I'm just going to be honest. I'm not that good. What I really want to encourage you to do is consider joining a small group. It's going to be an hour a week. And this is a great series to join a small group with because it's only three to four weeks, depending on your group. Three to four week commitment for about an hour, hour and a half. And we want to encourage you to, like, we don't want to, we want to practice what we preach. Basically, we know your, your week is busy. It's a busy time of year. Your weeknights are probably gone. And so we want to encourage you, if you don't think you have time, we have Sunday morning slots available for youth groups or for small groups. Now, you don't want to join youth group, trust me, because I'm going to throw you around in the van. So we, <laughs> but small groups, we have Sunday morning slots available. You can meet at 9, you can meet at 1030, depending on what works best for your group. You're already here on Sunday morning. You might as well get the most out of this message and the most out of this experience. And if that's something you're interested in, we have a small group connection event at 1145 right after the service in this room. Light lunch provided because we don't want you to get hangry. We want everybody to be happy and friendly when we meet each other. So if that's something you're interested in, stick around, check it out. We'll get you in a group. If it turns out it's not for you, that's okay. We'll try it again next time. But I encourage you to at least check it out. With that said, let me say a word of prayer for you, and then we're going to move into a time of transition, or time of communion. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for our lives and for the numerous, numerous opportunities you put in front of us to experience joy and satisfaction and fulfillment. But sometimes we just try to enjoy it a little too much and take on too much, God. And so we ask that you would give us the discipline and the wisdom to create margin and to create some space in our lives for you to dwell move and to work and to grow us. I pray for the wisdom to say no at times. I pray for the restraint, um, the restraint to say no at times when good things come our way, but it's just simply too much in the moment. I pray for all of us in here, Lord, that through this, this week and these coming weeks that you would grow us in our capacity just to dwell in your presence, to schedule if need be, to schedule you in our lives, to have that appointment of significant time where we spend with you, that you might enrich our understandings of your, your glory and your presence and your gift of, of salvation in Christ. Lord, we just ask that you would help us to practice what you speak to us over the next few weeks. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.